Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. We are back in Brooklyn for another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler along with Lisa Cohen. Yes, hi. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome back down to Brooklyn. It was fun recording up in Connecticut, but it's also good to be back in Brooklyn. (laughs) Absolutely. Always good to be back in Brooklyn. Now, Lisa, we've done enough of these episodes where um, we've started to get some feedback, and I'm going to ambush you here. Oh, boy. Because one comment that I hear from virtually everybody Uh is, who is that professional? If they don't know you, who is that professional who's working with you? And how did you get her to do this with you? And how much are you paying her? And how much are you paying her? How much are you paying her? Uh, Unfortunately, you know the answer to the last question. But I I do want to explain to people our connection um, because they might be interested. They might be interested. So Lisa and I independently are great friends. And Lisa and my wife, Alana, are great friends as well. But we met through... My college roommate, Dave Hillman, who also happens to be Lisa's husband. Correct. And um, I remember when we met. Do you? I do. In Dave's, uh, uh, <laughs> that weird studio that he had. That's right. During law school. And there's a story associated with yes. that. Do you, do you remember the story? You, you, you came You came with someone else. <laughs> I did. Who was it? I did. So there was a But there night... was a boxing match. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I mean, it didn't involve us, but I mean, there was a boxing <laughs> that match. That would have been more fun. Yeah. The story was that uh, I was out with a friend of mine from high school by the name of Mark Rosenthal. Oh, right. And Dave was living in the Hemisphere House at the time in Midtown Manhattan. Disturbance while, at the Hemisphere while, House? Right. <laughs> while he was still a law student at Fordham, I yes, think. Yes, correct. And there was a boxing match on. It was a Ray Mercer fight. I don't remember who he was fighting. It might have been Holyfield. It might have been Lennox Lewis. Anyway, there was also a bar on the Upper East Side called Pat O'Brien. Of course, yes. The yes. legendary. Legendary. And the reason that 20 five-year-olds would go to Pat O'Brien's was that from six to seven on certain nights, it was free beer. Yeah. So I remember very well, you'd get there at like 5.30, mm-hmm. get a seat at the bar, mm-hmm. buy a drink, tip really well. Which is what you did <laughs> which that is, night. And we strategized, Mark and I did it perfectly. <laughs> we did it just perfectly. Um, we're at the bar at six from six to seven, drinking for free, and then decided what a great idea it would be to go over to Dave's apartment at about 9.30 because the fight was about to start. Oh, and he paid for it, right? I mean, it was like he a thing. Paid for it. It was he, a, yes. He had paid for it. And we, I met you that night. Yep. And Mark and I made ourselves very comfortable. I think we were probably pretty loud and a little obnoxious. <laughs> and what I remember about the story that, as Dave tells it, um, by the third round of the fight, Dave was commenting on how exciting the fight was, and all three of the rest of us were asleep, <laughs> including me, <laughs> including you, <laughs> including you. Like a, a hot date, and uh, well, two, I just two remember great that it was like a studio, and there was there was a bed that, like, at the foot of it, a few feet away, was the TV. And you guys, and this is something that we would do when we had people over, made like kind of a couch on the floor right. with pillows. Right. And so you were sitting down there, so we couldn't see you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Right. It was just kind of quiet. <laughs> right. It went from real loud to real quiet real quickly, um, as often happened after a visit to Pat O'Brien's. And um, I, I do remember Dave would call those TV seats. He would say, yes, why, don't right, you make, that's right. why, why don't you make yourself a TV seat at the foot of the bed? And we did that. And, uh, but that was a very memorable moment. Very, yeah. very memorable moment. And yes. Again, Lisa, um, in addition to being an extraordinarily talented artist, is a uh, comedian and a comedy producer and an all-around great person. So thank you. uh, Let me live during this podcast just say thank you. And um, again, everyone comments, who is Lisa? 
<laughs> if they don't already know you. Those who know you are not surprised. I uh, thank you. I appreciate the uh, the 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 introduction. And um, I'm happy to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. It really, really is. And also knew Milo his entire life and loved him dearly, too. So all the more reason that Lisa's sure a perfect, perfect partner in this uh, endeavor. And, and in fact, uh, uh, Alana and I spent a lot of time together with our first kids, Max and Isabel, when you guys lived on the Upper West Side. We spent many right. times uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> we we should do our own podcast, yeah, honestly, really about those two years, like of of just, uh, or I guess it was three. It was two years, two plus, yeah, two plus, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, as our listeners know, on this show, we dive into the list of the things that Milo loved, and I'm inviting Lisa to do that right now and pick something that uh, is drawing her attention, and we can talk about and spend some time with Milo. Yeah, I um. You know, as we as 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 listeners know, I had a foot injury this year and I didn't get to ski. So let's talk about Jiminy Peak. All right. Jiminy Peak. This is a great one. So you have immediately identified Jiminy Peak as a skiing place. Uh, Jiminy Peak is a mountain in the Berkshires. I think it sits. It's just outside of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. It might be in a town called Hanover, Massachusetts. I'm not exactly sure of the name, but it's right next to Pittsfield, which is sort of like the big nearby mm-hmm. city. And um, Jiminy Peak was the go-to mountain for Milo and me. So to take a step back, uh, I skied a little bit when I was growing up, but I never really cared for it. As you know, I went to college in New Hampshire, and I think I skied twice the entire time Dave I Hillman, was there. Dave Hillman, zero times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> similar. <laughs> yeah. Similar. I mean, there were always there's always something else I would have preferred to be doing besides skiing. I never loved it. I was okay. I was a fine skier. I was capable of not getting injured um, mostly, but I never really loved skiing. So the evidence of that is that at school in New Hampshire really never took advantage of the, literally the college's mountain. Mm -hmm. They had their own mountain and I Mm -hmm. skied on it twice. Um, But when you have kids, it feels like if you live in the Northeast, skiing or the kids being able to ski is something you kind of check off the list with ice skating and swimming and riding a bike maybe. So we took the boys skiing a couple of times when they were young and Max liked it. He liked it enough, but Milo really, really enjoyed it, which always surprised me. I never completely understood what he liked about it so much, but his sort of rubbery physique, mm. I think sort of served him well. The eel. The eel, his eel-like physique, for those of you who have listened to the episode entitled The Eel. Um, and when he would fall when he was younger, he didn't seem likely to get hurt. And he kind of went with the bumps and his body was sort of loosey-goosey. So I, I think he liked it. And then I just think he liked skiing. I think he really, really liked it. So once they became interested in Milo, very interested in skiing, and then Alana as such a phenomenal athlete, was a capable skier, even though she really didn't like it at all. But once we were all able to do it together, it was just a great winter getaway. And 100%. you do it too. Yep. yep. I mean, it's really a great way to get away with the kids. And I, I never, ever enjoyed skiing anywhere near as much as I did as when we were skiing with the boys. Mm-hmm. It was just really, really fun. And over time, we skied with them a number of times. And inevitably, the days skiing would go something like this the four of us would start and the boys would say come on mom come on you'll ski with us you'll ski with us <laughs> and after the first run they'd be like mom doesn't want to go on any of the good trails mom you're on your own we're out <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. you're on your own so alana As would, it should be right alana would ski a couple of runs and then lunchtime would approach and max would say oh, i'm gonna go see what mom's 
doing in the lodge. I'll, I'll come back out later, which he would not do. And then basically we would stay at the mountain for as long as Milo and I wanted to ski, which really meant we would stay for as long as Milo wanted to ski. And he would typically ski until the lifts I, closed. until the lifts closed or I just said, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was, if he was too young to ski on his own, he would have come with me a couple of times. He may even have skied a couple of runs on his own or with other people he met or knew there. Um, but the reason Jiminy Peak is on this was... Um, we went there a number of times as a family. We skied with my brother and his family there. But there were a handful of times after Alana had grown sort of disinterested in skiing and Max was very marginally interested in skiing, but Milo still really wanted to do it. So Milo and I probably on a half a dozen occasions would wake up on a winter day on the weekend when we really had nothing planned and we would just say, let's go for a ski up to Jiminy Peak. And Jiminy Peak was probably about 150 miles from our house. On a Saturday in the winter, you could do the drive in about 245. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Jiminy Peak, and this is a great tip for our listeners if it's still true, <laughs> unlike many mountains in the Northeast, Jiminy Peak didn't offer a day ticket for skiing that closed at four o'clock because there was night skiing at Jiminy Peak they would sell you an eight-hour lift ticket nice. that would start when you did your first run. That's great. So if we would wake up at eight in the morning, it's not like the days of getting up at five in the morning so yeah, you're there right, when, right, the, right. when the lift opens. Yeah. So if you'd arrive, if you'd get up at eight in the morning and arrive there at 11 and get on the mountain at 1130, your lift Still ticket would then be good for eight hours through 1130. The other great bonus there was that there was a, a time between about four and 630. About four o'clock, families start getting off the mountain. About 6.30, like drunk young kids start showing up. (laughs) So there was this window, this Mm -hmm. pocket from like four to 6.30, where if you were patient and sort of waited to have a late lunch, you could have the mountain virtually to yourself. Awesome. And Milo and I discovered this on our own, on our first or second visit as a twosome to Jiminy Peak. This is about what what, what grade is So Milo was probably, if Max had stopped skiing... He really lost most of his interest in skiing. Milo is probably about 13, maybe just turned 13. Max is 15. And Max probably had other things he'd rather do on the weekends. And uh, again, it just wasn't his favorite thing to do. So probably a half dozen times between when Milo was 13 and Milo was 15, he and I would go skiing just as a twosome. And I remember it was about the second time that we went to Jiminy Peak we were aware of the eight-hour lift ticket, but we really weren't aware of this pocket between 4 and 6.30. And we got to the mountain. We got on it around noon, and it was crowded. But because we had gotten there late, we didn't stop for lunch until like 3 o'clock. Well, it gets kind of quiet in lunchtime, yeah. too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. then lunchtime wasn't that crowded. Like and we're it. kind of looking at each other like, hey, this is kind of neat, too. The lodge isn't that crowded. And then we got back on the mountain at about 3.45, and... It's. It sounds so cliche to say it, but I can remember it like it was yesterday if I close my eyes, that for about two hours, we were doing a run like every 12 minutes, including this high-speed lift that they have there called the Berkshire Eagle or something like that. And we would just go up the mountain and down the mountain and up the mountain, and it felt like there wasn't more than 20 other people on the entire mountain. We mm. had the run of the entire mountain. So good. Yeah, it was just a phenomenal way to do skiing. And then... We also, once or twice, we took that sort of experience we had at Jiminy Peak and we said, well, let's see if we can 
transpose it to another mountain because the place where we used to lift, where we used to um, rent skis for the boys would give out ski passes to certain mountains in the Northeast where you could get a mm-hmm, discounted mm-hmm. lift ticket mm-hmm. or a free lift ticket during the week. That's how we first found about, found out about Jiminy Peak, but we also would get passes to Wyndham Mountain mm-hmm, or something like mm-hmm. that. And um, the New York City public school system, which Milo was part of, would have these random days off in the winter that were atypical for the right, rest sure, of the Northeast. Sure. Yeah. So on a couple of occasions, Milo and I would say, well, why don't we use those ski passes for Wyndham and we'll go up for the day, whatever it is. And we did that a couple of times and it just wasn't the same because we we just felt the pressure to like yeah. get there early. Well, Wyndham and, is like that too. Yeah, it's usually, yeah. 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 Now we, there is, there was one great additional skiing experience for just the two of us, we had a number of great experiences, which we'll get into in other podcasts with other families. But I remember also probably when Milo was about 14 years old, this is just around Easter. So it's April already. And there was still snow on the ground in some of the mountains in the Northeast. And I think it was that Bel Air Mountain, which is, an amount, which is a mountain in New York, had announced that this coming... Sunday was their last day of the season or something like that. And it was scheduled to be like 55 or 60 degrees. That was the forecast. Mm. But Milo and I said, you know, there's snow on the ground. It's going to be warm. It's the last day. Most people have probably put the skis away. Why don't we head up there? So it was a Sunday. It was in April. And we headed up there. And it was very, very warm, which made for really weird snow. The snow was very yeah, sticky, yeah. hard to get your skis through. But what was so memorable about it, um, he and I ended up skiing in just T-shirts because oh, it was so best. warm. Yeah. And we had worn, by design, Brooklyn Nets T-shirts <laughs> and sweatshirts because, for those of you who don't know, the Brooklyn Nets do a special on their local broadcast called where w-e-a-r where brooklyn at where they invite people to send in pictures of themselves wearing brooklyn gear from all kinds of interesting places in and out of new york state they uh set they do have pictures of people vacationing all over the world and p.s alana max milo and i ended up being on where brooklyn at a few years later when we were at versailles it's a great um, photo it's which is a great photo and it appeared on the broadcast I guess I probably already spilled the beans that despite the fact that Milo and I took pictures in <laughs> Nets t-shirts while skiing at the top of a mountain in New York and sent it to the Nets, where Brooklyn at? I'll tell you where we at. We at the top of a mountain in our Nets gear. We sent it in. Never Zip. heard from them. Bupkis. Zip. Bupkis. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And we had to wait another two years for a, a proper location. And yeah. I'm telling you that trip that we took to Paris, which we'll talk about in a future broadcast, but a lot of planning went into it, but we didn't plan anything as completely and comprehensively as we did. How are we going to get our pictures on where Brooklyn at and Brooklyn? And it worked. It eventually worked. So um, I just have one um, leading question, which is, I'll say personally, I I mean, everybody loves skiing, but I, I love the moment in the chairlift like you know you, you you come down from a great run you get back on the lift you you know and then you have you just kind of can take a breather and you have a little chit chat 
So I'm curious, like, what were your what what kinds of talks did you have? You spent a lot of time, obviously, many hours, just the two of you. And those the skiing is great. But I'm thinking about the moments that you had, like, just kind of riding up and taking stock of, like, how was that run or, you know, what are you going to get for lunch? (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of that. And it is such an interesting question because there's a piece of advice that parents typically get that if you want to have a chat with your mm. kid, do it in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea yep. where it's one-on-one, they're a captive audience in a ski lift. Yep. And I had that thought many times when I was on a ski lift with with Milo in particular, but with both of the boys, that this is like being on a car, but even more unique. And we were taking a lot of a lot of rides, just the two of us, particularly when it was just the two of us skiing. Um, and, you know, we would talk about skiing quite a bit. I do remember thinking that it's really nice for it to be quiet mm. and just sort of taking in the scenery. There really were some nice vistas, even skiing in the Northeast. I know it's not skiing out West, which I've never done, uh, but it was just really nice to be with him and to just sort of be quiet, which mm. I know he appreciated too. I think sometimes Milo uh, thought that his parents would use any opportunity to sort of be engaged because, you know, we we just love to be with him. And sometimes I had to fight my urge to, to have that chat yes. and to... Uh, to sort of keep my mouth shut and let just let this situation play out quietly. That's good. Yeah. But what I would invite the audience to do for just a moment, thinking about skiing, is just, if you can do with me, just kind of close your eyes for a second and imagine Milo just kind of slowly skiing down the mountain, swerving side to side, and just say his name with me, Milo Kessler. Milo Kessler. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's all the time we have on this episode of Milo Time. We hope you'll join us again next time when we, one more time, dig into the list of things that Milo loved.